Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Barton, we have a lot to get to. We've got incredible turnover as the coaching carousel continues to spin. We've had NFL flirtations. We've had uh, the accepting of some NFL jobs. We've got coordinators moving all around. We've got uh, a very, very interesting storyline behind our Heisman Trophy winner, Kyler Murray. Lots of talk about Trevor Lawrence coming off his offensive MVP performance in the College Football Playoff National Championship game. Barton, I'm home. I'm revitalized. Uh, my, my soul is ready for a very exciting January here on the podcast. January's starting out with a bang. I know. I feel like we got a lot of action right now, man. Like this national championship games in the books. You know, I've already uh, already forgotten about it with all this other buzz and juicy scoop that we got to dig into so uh could be a could be a fun little month here for us i i'm i'm very much looking forward uh to what we've got coming up for you and of course as always subscribe to the cover three podcast Uh, that's how you're going to be able to get all of your episodes first so uh one of the you know there's a lot of downtime when you're when you're at these events as you know you you sit around and uh you have have these these media meals with sort of mixed groups at the table. Some people you know, know each other. Some people don't. And and one of the interesting conversations that came up, and this was even before uh, Cliff Kingsbury is announced as the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, even with, with Cliff in the mix, there was just kind of a lot of shrugging at the table. You know, what is going to happen with USC football? What is the future look like for JT Daniels? And so now that we know that Cliff is gone, like I, I have to ask you, you know, from the athletic director Lynn Swan first blocking Cliff Kingsbury and then all of a sudden allowing the interviews, like was this where where does the blame fall if I'm a USC fan as I go from thinking that Cliff Kingsbury and JT Daniels can deliver a Pac-12 championship to all of a sudden feeling like the removal of Clay Helton is an inevitability? And that I will, that I, as a USC fan in this context, will probably not see that potential fulfilled. Well, you know, when when we were, if you watched the All American Bowl on NBC over the weekend, they USC landed two five star wide receiver commits, and both of them were guys who, who's, who who, who saw the Cliff Kingsbury hire as a factor in their decision uh who's the cliff kingsbury hire impacted and so it's it's i mean that was becoming usc's identity was like all right usc's get its mojo back because it's, it's the cliff kingsbury era at right. offensive coordinator and you know what, what Kings, kingsbury area lasted what two weeks yeah um, in the words of stephen a smith he didn't even have time to go to roscoe's <laughs> that's right i saw that um so yeah so i mean it's 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 uh but i i at the same time sorry usc but i i don't i don't necessarily think that cliff kingsbury is a good hire for for the cardinals but i'm glad it happened because i'm interested in it and i think it'll be fun and it's going to be fascinating one way or the other um I had an interesting conversation with uh, with somebody that's that's been on a Kingsbury staff um, over the weekend, and they said that you know he's he's well liked, he's really smart, he works really hard, he's but he's his personality is very laid back, and sometimes a staff needs a kick in the ass. Sometimes mm. you got to hold people accountable, and that's where he kind of fall comes up short, and so. It's that it's that type of it's it's that type of characteristic that you don't weigh when you're t- just hiring him for his offense, and so you know I, I think yeah he's he's going to bring a, a, a probably a pretty good offense, but ultimately you're still a CEO and the you know the managing director of a 
bunch of millionaires uh, who need to be directed, held accountable, um, and and motivated, you know. And so I think uh, it's you know it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I I think that for the Arizona Cardinals, um, you just had to believe that there was a a rare opportunity here to jump on board with the growing uh, obsession and trend with an offensive explosion. You're probably like this. This is probably an overpay or at least in terms of the value, you know, you're just, you're just jumping on the trend and you know what? It might work. It, it very much might work, but it's going to take, as you mentioned, the rest of the building to get on board. It's going to take the personnel to get on board. And, you know, what does work mean? I don't think Cliff Kingsbury wins a Super Bowl, but uh, I, like you said, I'm sign me up for what I think will be uh, a very, very interesting. Uh, what's the, it's, you know, obviously Arizona is not uh, Silicon Valley, West Coast, but what's the tech word? Disruption. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Cliff Kingsbury is a disruptor, and I'm yes. I'm very interested uh, to see how this goes. So what's so what does this mean for for JT Daniels and the Trojans? Like, is it is it as disappointing and uh, hopeless as it might be in the darkest minds of a of a USC fan? I don't know. It depends on how you feel about Jed Fish. Uh, I mean, I. That's the hire that kind of seems to make some sense. I mean, I think Jed Fish, he checks the uh, – has a, a tangential relationship with uh, Sean McVay box. You know, he's he's an assistant for the – like an offensive analyst. <laughs> the Sean, the the Sean McVay sprinkle dust landed did on him. See, did you see the, uh, the, the Cardinals – press release that said is friends with sean mcveigh like that was part of the was part of the cliff kingsbury like resume was literally like friends friends with sean mcveigh um so that 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 gets you somewhere so uh jed fish the guy that was was actually coach josh rosen as an offensive coordinator at ucla last year was at michigan under harbaugh before that uh is currently on the ram staff and i wants to get back into coaching wants to be a head coach in college and has been looking for the right opportunity to kind of i think uh sort of raise his brand to a new level and this this would be it on his end i would expect uh and it sort of makes some sense on the usc side of things um you know i don't know that he i i don't know that that he's a leading candidate that's just the one that sort of jumps out and makes a lot of sense um but look i think that that was the the other names that i've seen are you know graham harrell uh who's the north texas offensive coordinator um and another texas tech former quarterback that's right lincoln riley cliff kingsbury graham harrell let's go that's about it as far as names that like are kind of kind of have some cachet and and seem to make some sense um but no like i i think if you're usc um you're hopeful now whereas the before you were confident now you're just hopeful i hope this works out before you're like all right well we got a we got a we got a solution offensively we're, we're set we don't even need that offense lineman to block we got a, we got a, we got an offensive system that, that has proven um but now it's like all right well, let's let's hope for the best. The I think with Jed Fish, we talk, we have we've done a lot of hand wringing on this podcast and the written word in conversations with each other, both both public and private. A lot of hand wringing about the Michigan offense under Jim Harbaugh. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I want to say that probably the most impressive Michigan's offense has been was with Jed Fish as offensive coordinator. When Jake Rudock went from being a liability, borderline liability at Iowa, to being one of the more successful Big Ten quarterbacks with Michigan, and the the that offense uh, had, you know, I would say, at not average because it's Michigan, but above average skill position talent, and still was was pretty effective across the board. 
So I guess you look at that maybe, but you know, even if I remember that correctly, that was that was still very much in a in a in a pro style bottled up, you know, probably a little bit more similar to you know what Clay Helton, if he had his his way, would run than necessarily this full uh, commitment to the spread and to an air raid kind of attack with Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and I think that's probably the happy medium that that Clay Helton would prefer. But the caveat there is, well, okay, the, the offensive line better better come along, um, better develop, um, and. You know, uh, Tim Drevno, I guess, is the is the offensive line coach now. Strength and conditioning is still whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. You know, you got to have competent in both sides of it. Then is 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 Jed Fish the right guy? Is the offensive line going to continue to get better? Um, you know, we got to answer both those questions. Whereas, you know, I don't not to be. I don't know if this is if this is just sort of too stereotypical, but. You can you can get away with an offensive line that isn't as polished up in that spread air raid stuff. Let we are recording here on Thursday morning, and news broke Wednesday night from the Bay Area that the Oakland Athletics are expecting Kyler Murray to enter his name into the NFL draft. Now, the you know will he won't he for the NFL draft has been such a fascinating uh, explosion because. Kyler Murray himself said that at the beginning of the season, no one was talking about it. No one was at it. This was going to be uh, almost a one-year rental for the Oklahoma Sooners, and he was going to go on to play baseball. And then as the season progressed, interest picked up, uh, finalizing with, of course, a Heisman Trophy winning season. And now all of a sudden, are you going to do the NFL or baseball is the biggest conversation. I was in the Oklahoma locker room. All of his teammates were talking about it, and they were all given you know, very loving, good answers. He's going to be great at whatever he does. He's got a big decision ahead of him. I support him either way. Like It, it seems as though you know, there was nothing but positivity from those who were in the Kyler Murray camp, and that's why it is no surprise to me, Barton. Yeah, I, if I was Kyler Murray, I would put my name in the NFL draft. Why not? Well... The, only because he's looking like he may actually be a first round draft pick now. Right. You know, because if you're <clears throat> baseball makes more sense from a longevity standpoint, from a financial standpoint, if he is a third round draft pick, a quarterback. Um, but if you're a first round NFL draft pick, then that blows the roof off of the the you know, earnings limitations that that's football may place on you relative to baseball because you're a first-round NFL draft pick. And not to mention your marketability um, is increases. I mean, he's already in talks with Under Armour and Nike apparently about, uh, you know, whatever the big sponsorship uh, marketing deal that he's going to have to be able to sign. Like he is, yeah, like now that he's starting to be talked as a first-round NFL draft pick at quarterback, I mean, football becomes – and and he clearly, clearly he loves football more. And so now it becomes kind of a no brainer. All right. He'll pay the five million back. Um and what's this is it Scott Boris's agent? Yeah. And and Scott Boris will have to, you know, hat in hand go apologize to the A's. But uh, hey man, that's what happens when you have a season like Kyler Murray had this year. I mean, he he even said uh that he didn't expect this kind of a season he didn't expect this kind of a decision no because you know he didn't this is this is not something that he saw coming and so uh he's right there with all of us and and going to capitalize and, and enjoy the you know the fruits of this the uh and and i i thought it was also interesting to go back and I, i've used this in conversations that um you I, I think you said it here on the podcast but like when kyler murray was coming out of high school the the baseball thing was just something else he did. The first right. love, the first and foremost love, when he's the two-time Texas player of the year, when he's like the national player of the year, when he's 42-0 and as a starting quarterback, his, he had play in the NFL on his mind. So absolutely should not come as a shock that that's going to be where this ends up because it seems to me that the – um that the take the baseball money and run crowd, what are you doing, are really just putting their own value system and their own experience 
in Kyler Murray and not really considering the human being who has spent the last 21 or 22 years uh, committing himself to performing at the highest level. Um, yeah. And so the, <laughs> so the, so the next evolution of the Kyler Murray saga and the Cliff Kingsbury saga, as we marry these two things together is we're sitting here on Thursday, January 10th. And this morning, I, I don't know, maybe the buzz started before that, but I, I saw Adam Schefter this morning um, uh, talk about how there is a building full, like theory, working theory, that Cliff Kingsbury could deal Josh Rosen and take Kyler Murray for, with the number one overall pick. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Talk about disruptor. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for it. Like the and the thing that's going to the thing that's going to drive everyone crazy is when it when it doesn't like when when Cliff Kingsbury's air raid has bad games and tech and we saw it at Texas Tech. He got fired. Like it. It's not like the system's going to work every time, but. Kyler Murray's pretty good at running it. I'm uh, I'm not going to be out here betting against Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury as a a combination that will be entirely unsuccessful. It's not going to tank. It's not going to be an experiment gone wrong. It will probably, if I was to make bets, not bring a Super Bowl to the Arizona Cardinals, but it it might get you to the playoffs. Well. Little little um, little backstory on Kingsbury here that I think's interesting. So Kingsbury, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, Kyler Murray is, you know, cute cute story as a first round draft pick." Yeah, man, maybe someone might actually take him in the first round. Maybe he's, you know, what what if someone took him, you know, twenty five to thirty two range or something, you know? And and meanwhile, Cliff, you know, now the buzz starts and everyone's like, "What?" First overall, what? And what, what what Cliff Kingsbury has always done, and he's always, obviously, you know, he's the guy that, that uh, asked Baker Mayfield to walk on. He's the guy that's um, recruited Patrick Mahomes. He's the guy that recruited Davis Webb, had all those guys on the same roster. Uh, he's, he's the guy that had a true freshman this year that no one wanted that was, you know, slinging it all over the place and was and balling out. Um, so what's his secret? as a as a quarterback evaluator well the secret is is it that simple it it is or it is very simple it is he finds guys that are incredibly productive and are and are are, because he said what he the way he sees it is look if you're in high school you should be the best player on the field you should you should be able to take over games you should be able to dominate and if you look at the guys that he's taken they've they've been you know, there are guys you can pick apart with, hey, you know, Mahomes, a little bit raw, not very polished, multi-sport athlete, uh, Baker Mayfield, undersized, you know, uh, what, there, you always, there's always these, like, holes you can poke in these guys' profiles. But, but Cliff look looks at, at him and field, he's like, no, no, yeah, he looks at him on the field and he's like, oh, that guy's got it. Yeah, well, he's just like look, look, look. You know, just look at the numbers, look at the production, look at the wins, and and so NFL scouts are going to look at Kyler Murray and they're going to say, oh, his, you know, look, you know, look at his release or look at his, uh, you know, his his throws, I don't know, whatever the hell, you know, who knows, but they're going to pick him apart, and Cliff Kingers are going to be like, all right, but look what he's done, he has never, like. He's he's lost one game as a starting quarter, two games as a starting quarterback in his entire football life. He's won the Heisman. <laughs> That's he's, so stupid to consider, but it's true. But, yeah, and and he's just and and so that's sort of the that that's going to be the Kingsbury approach. And I look, he may not. I don't even know. This we're just all speculating now that he's going to draft Kyler. But if he if he went that way, like that would be the the perspective and it would be another opportunity to prove everybody wrong. Mm. Um, and the, in terms of body size, 
and I, I we might end up uh, coming back to this, but for the most part, Kyler Murray is about to leave us. So I do want to you know feel like I'm I'm getting out my last uh, takes from the kitchen. But we have seen so many six four six five perfect body type, perfect and NFL arm. We've seen so many of the the prototypical what the NFL scouts want out of a quarterback from physicality standpoint. We've seen so many of those players crack when they get to the NFL. And whether it is uh, mental, whether it is physical, and I think a lot of it is a little bit more on the mental and psychological side because clearly they have the physical gifts and there is some inability to translate that into production at the next level. And I think that some of that, and I don't know all these players individually, but I do think that some of that probably comes back to confidence. And I just think about the struggles of Nathan Peterman over the last two years and how open he's been about some of the you know, issues with confidence when you continue to get out there. And I just don't think that Kyler Murray, at any point in his life, either in the past, present, or future, has had a shortage of confidence. I think that whatever is the the struggle whatever struggles that these other quarterbacks that have been just sort of the the golden child, the big kid, the the perfect quarterback their whole lives, you know, there's there's something that has prevented every single one of those from panning out and whatever that is is not going to be an issue for Kyler Murray, who in his mind truly probably believes he is the greatest athlete of all time. He's probably like, yeah, absolutely. No, that's yeah. like I, I am the second coming of Bo Jackson. That is the way this yeah. works. Yeah, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point and perspective. And you know, it's when I talk to some of these elite eleven coaches, and and I'm always interested in because they really, their goal is to dig into the quarterback's mind and to to get to know these guys and sort of try to try to evaluate these quarterbacks beyond just the the throwing and hitting targets and and really sort of figure out who's the leaders and the 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 influencers of the game of football in the future and some some of these guys will come to them and like you can feel the weight of their five-star ranking and you can feel the you know they're very aware of social media and and they're very you know and they're just they're what you know some are uncomfortable in their own skin some are comfortable in their own skin and I think you're right in the sense like that's a big part of the quarterback puzzle and Kyler Murray has that as a just a a kid that is ultimately competitive and is very is is supremely confident and very comfortable in 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 that and uh yeah I think that's a great I think that's a great point I'll I'll take two passes batted down per game for what he's going to give me in a fourth quarter tight game scenario. Right. I mean, it's a little bit. And the other thing about Kyler Murray is, you know, he's still, he has had one season of starting quarterback experience in college football. He's still a guy that going into the season, I was saying, I don't know, maybe they should play Austin Kendall. I'm not sure. Uh, Kyler Murray's shown us he's capable of playing within the the constructs of the offense and and then the way he evolved and how quickly he, he it clicked and once he did dial in and once he wasn't you know moonlighting in baseball and it makes you think hey what what's you know he could have a lot of ceiling left to go and then b the the you know the, the only concern i have is all right like is he, he's gotta he's gotta be smart about He's he's a, he's still a small guy. He's, he's he still, is. If he gets hit, if he gets hit <laughs> yes. in the NFL a bunch of times, that's not a good thing. And so, you know, you have to continue to reel your game in to a certain degree. But um, you dwarf Kyler Murray. Yes. He's yeah. Little. He's yeah. little. He's very little. Yeah. <laughs> Stood next to both you guys in Miami. Kyler Murray's tinier than me. Yeah. yeah yeah ridiculous uh, all right we got get into uh what we believe will be uh the most coveted transfer quarterback of the offseason right after this the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived thanks to the visionary minds of new balance 
Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul. The designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, Barton, you were breaking some news. Barton breaking news. <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah. He's in the portal. Does that Jalen mean Hurts that everything has been filed on the Alabama side? What is What does the portal mean? Because there was a lot of – you were the first one to break it, then everybody else jumped on to um, – the, the, the portal sounds way too uh, trans-universal – in science it. fiction <laughs> I, I love i love that we're calling it the transfer portal it's it's <laughs> it is very uh very star wars um uh, it's it, so the transfer all the transfer portal does is when a kid goes into the portal he becomes a Highlander. eligible <laughs> he becomes eligible for interaction and communication with other schools so schools can contact him he can reach out to them freely there is there they can recruit him he can take a fits the all those sort of things it doesn't mean he's he is filed transfer papers it doesn't mean he is gone it means he is a basically a recruitable athlete um and so you know the the my report that he is his name is in the transfer portal is not reporting that he is transferring right now it's it it is clearly he is a likely candidate to transfer given we all know his situation and now he is taking steps to explore those options um, but the report is not he's gone um, it, but you know, you can read between the lines and presume that he is likely gone, which is what I am presuming. He told us the whole time. He said, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to earn my degree the whole degree time earned. and degree earned name in the portal. I, I think I would be so surprised if he decides to return to Alabama for another season and, and just, just, just get what a, a master's degree in backup quarterbacking. I don't yeah, think the so. the only like the one scenario that I entertained at, at one point in in him returning is and this is this is sort of one of these like you know playing NCAA football on PlayStation scenarios where no one really does this sort of thing in real life, but it it makes some sense is him come back red shirts as a and and then once Tua has the NFL he's got the starting job again as a redshirt senior and you know then he goes and wins another national championship for Alabama and he has another year to develop under Dan Enos and so there's there there's a lot of reason that makes sense I've I've got no indication that that's actually something he's considering um but I I think more likely we're going to see him uh, open things up and in the words of his father become the uh, what was it the um, most the, the biggest transfer Big quarterback in ever college football or something yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 ever biggest <laughs> most coveted transfer ever ever now I do think that as we look at the 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 pieces that could or have or will be moving throughout the off season. I, I do think that Jalen hurts because to me, and this was something that uh, Brent Venables talked about going into the game. I do think Jalen hurts has imp- improved as a downfield passer over the last year. I think yes. that uh, Dan Enos has done a really good job in, in helping him level up and become a more well-rounded quarterback where Lane Kiffin as a, as a freshman he just kind of used him almost as a not as an option quarterback, but as a as a primary runner. And Jalen Hurts as a, as a runner, primary runner in that Lane Kiffin offense, won SEC Offensive Player of the Year. But the steps that he's taken 
have me looking at Jalen Hurts and thinking that's probably Jalen Hurts by himself, I would argue is one of the top 15 quarterbacks in college football for 2019. Sounds sounds about right. I don't know if I would say 10, but I think I can comfortably say that Jalen Hurts is one of the top 15 quarterbacks and given the the need for so many programs to be able to have a a, a top 15 quarterback, I I think that any team where, wherever he lands, he's going to be an automatic upgrade from whatever they have. Yeah. So all right, well where where not to put you on the spot here, but if you're Jalen Hurts, you are the highest, you're the best transfer in the history of college football. Where are you going? Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> was, uh, was, go to Oklahoma, guess, win a Heisman Trophy. <laughs> so the the uh, you know I guess the, the does Oklahoma want him? I guess there's no there's no because he's you know he allegedly or Lincoln Riley um, according to Spencer Rattler their their incoming freshman quarterback Lincoln Riley said you know we're not taking any transfers you're good there um, whether that's whether that's the case whether things have changed I don't know but uh, assuming Oklahoma would want or take Jalen Hurts I agree that's a no brainer given what they've done the last two quarterbacks and what that offense looks like. You could complete for a national championship. Yes. All right. So let's, let me just throw the scenario out. Let's say that Oklahoma's ends full there. No, no room at the end. Then, then who would it be? Um, I don't know if I would go to Maryland, but I understand be, the, the Mike Loxley move, especially if that's a relationship that is very positive for him. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I believe, I believe that Chip Kelly would take him in a heartbeat at UCLA. I do not believe that Chip Kelly right now believes he has the best shot at Jalen Hurts. Yeah. So part of the, part of the reason I ask is because I think if, if I'm just looking totally objectively at the situations, I I think that the best spot from a football perspective other than Oklahoma in terms of being successful next year and winning and, and having a shot at playing a big games is perhaps Auburn. Now, Jalen Hurts is a absolutely legendary figure at Alabama right now and he is he is one free meals and free drinks in that state for as long as he is breathing oxygen. So he probably throws all that equity stake away uh, the second he takes an Auburn head, uh, uh, starting quarterback's job. But it makes it does make some sense, considering that basically, it, to me, it looks like they're going to have to start their two freshman Bo Nix next year at quarterback. They've got players coming back. They, you know, they ended up the season on a high note marlon davidson and a lot of that really talented defensive front returning that's gonna be a team with a chance to win some games next year uh and we all know how gus good gus malzahn is when he is on the verge of being fired so (laughs) i i I don't think that's gonna happen just because that's just there's that would be bonkers between between cliff kingsbury and kyler murray and and all the other stuff going on that would that would just be too 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 mind-blowing to, to work um but i think it's interesting at the very least i all right so what about um that you know of course there's odds makers putting this everywhere what about houston as one uh one odds book bet bet dsi got houston as the uh as the favorite here at plus 150 yeah hometown dana holgerson's there <clears throat> uh dana holgerson could you know let you throw it around a little bit and um, develop that side of your game? You know you can you can throw all the I got to go to a pro style system to get me prepared for the NFL. That throw all that stuff out the window now. New I mean, era, baby. They are literally hiring college air raid coaches as head guys in the NFL 
So they are literally hiring college air raid head coaches that just got fired. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody said, somebody said they got a text from a coach that said, man, I wish I could get fired so I can get NFL interviews. Did you see that um, Cliff Kingsbury almost hired or Jake Spavital almost took the OC job with Cliff Kingsbury? Like air raid coaches are hiring air raid college coaches to be their offensive coordinator. Like it's, it's a wrap. Like, <laughs> like, forget it. Like, you don't have to be under center. You don't have to learn how to do a seven-step drop to go to the NFL. Just throw the dang ball around the yard and put up a bunch of yardage, and they will be interested. Mm. Um, Arizona also on the list. Is that just a, a Kevin Sumlin just figuring that that would be a, a good marriage? I, I don't know of any connection there. Uh, I don't, I don't know offhand of what a connection would be there other than just, that's a, you know, yeah, that's a Kevin Sumlin take a transfer. And, uh, but speaking of that, I mean, let's see what, what, um, what's our guy's name, um, at, at Arizona, Khalil Tate, Khalil Tate, let's see what Khalil Tate does. I mean, there was some buzz about him maybe want to transfer. So I guess that's, that's the answer there. Um, you know, I think TCU has already reached out. TCU's already, already expressed interest, and of course they have because they lost their starting quarterback to Missouri. Sean Robinson's transferred to Missouri. Um, Miami, where Major Applewhite is. Uh, oh, no, I, I take that back. Just, you know, Major Applewhite was looking like a potential landing spot for Miami at offensive coordinator. He recruited um, uh, Jalen Hurts to Houston when Jalen Hurts was coming out of high school, when Jalen Hurts was from Houston. Uh, that said, it's the, as we're on this pod today, the buzz is starting to, to rise that perhaps T. Martin is, is the offensive coordinator in Miami. So that's that's another topic. Um, but I don't know. Man, there's just a lot of places that could use a quarterback. I mean, the quarterback transfer market, particularly the grad transfer market, is is hot right now. And so it's, uh, it is unique and interesting to see where this is going to land because this is a guy that's got a lot of options. Um, speaking of that, uh, that assistant coaching carousel, let's, let's hit a couple of the big, big moves before we get out of here. Uh, Mel Tucker, of course, no longer Georgia's defensive coordinator. He's going to be the head coach at Colorado. Now Kirby Smart also has to find an offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney going to Tennessee. Now, is this, I, I have, I want to know, cause I don't know the, the full, you know, all these assistants, they always end up cross-pollinating in the SEC. So I can't imagine that there's a ton of hard feelings. But, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's part of that old network, and Kirby's part of the old network, and, and Jim Chaney's definitely like a very big part of that. Is this a little bit of a knife in the back to Kirby Smart for Jim Chaney to uh, to go link up with Pruitt at Tennessee? This is, this is so funny and so interesting. So first of all, Jim Chaney, like, it strikes me as the – as everyone is going to the air raid and everyone's going to spread, Jim Chaney's one of the last offensive coordinators remaining who's sort of pro style in philosophy and actually still has some cachet, still has some success. Because who, other than Jim Chaney, if you want to go pro style offensive coordinator, who do you even go with? Shoot. Like, who is out there? That is like a hot pro style offensive coordinator name, Jed like, Fish. <laughs> Jed Fish, I guess. <laughs> I guess, like this is clo- like that's the best. I mean, that's that's the best I can come up with on the spot. That's probably the best there is, and 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 not that to. I mean, not, Jed Fish may be great, but uh, that that may be the only the only one there is. I mean, you know, it's it's there's just there's that's like the only that's the only name. Jim Cheney's the only name of an offensive coordinator hire that the fan base will accept. And that's not to say he's not a good offensive coordinator hire. I think he is. But it's so funny that like there's just no one out there that's going to get anyone excited that's a pro-style guy except for maybe Jim Chaney. And Jim Chaney now and, – and, and I also think from the Tennessee perspective, like what a, what a crazy – offensive coordinator coaching search Jeremy Pruitt whose whole philosophy here in terms of the body types he's recruiting in terms of what they're trying to do there has been pro style 
uh, physical brand of football, um, you know, sort of old school. Well, the first round of, of names that were closely associated with this coaching search were Kendall Bryles, Hugh Freeze, Jeff Lebby, like all pure spread guys. And now he circles back to Jim Chaney. I don't know what to make of this. Like I, I know for sure that the, the, the discussion with those other guys was legit. Like I, I know for a fact that those, that that was not like media f- fake, fake news media. Like that was legit. And so now after, after like attacking a spread stat, like higher, now he circles back to a pro style guy. It just makes me kind of wonder what, how this, you know, what to, I don't know what to make of that. I, I've got, uh, I've got a prediction or not a prediction. Okay. I think that the there were voices, and I don't know if that was going to be voices within the administration, and I don't know if that would be voices among you know top boosters or even just sort of top personal and professional advisors that were uh, really really asking you know Jeremy Pruitt to consider these uh, this jumping on this new wave, and because Jeremy Pruitt. Is is trying to to be a good listener and trying to trying trying to expand his horizons. He took all those interviews, but at the end of the day, when it came time to make a hire, I think the same man that wasn't so sure about asparagus wasn't so sure about the spread offense, and that when it came time to finally make a hire, like he would be, he is now able to say, "Listen, I heard y'all out. I listened to all the spreads, and I don't want any of them." We're going to hire Jim Chaney. And I think that was a wrap. Um, I, I, that's, I think that's very plausible. Like, very plausible. Like, somebody, like somebody was like, Jeremy, I understand you're trying to be physical, but you can be physical and, and you know, still not <laughs> revert to, uh, to an old school form of offense. And in Jeremy Pruitt, again, I, I really believe that he probably went into all those meetings with an open mind, willing to hear him out. But... When, when the hire needed to be made, he just was not comfortable enough with anybody except for Jim Chaney. And the the funny thing about this is, too, is like Georgia, and I, I, I think this is a little bit of irrational fandom, but Georgia is sort of happy to see Jim Chaney go. I think in a lot of, a lot of the fans are kind of, were a little bit frustrated with Jim Chaney. Um, and... I don't. I think that's a little bit of a grass is greener approach, and that's, I'm not saying all fans were, but there was definitely a faction that was frustrated with Jim Chaney, and I, I think, I think Jim Chaney. I think we'll look back and think, yeah, look when you look at the end of the day, I think you know Georgia was one of the most efficient offenses of the country. They were one of the best offenses of the country in yards per play. Um, they, 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 they did. They did what they needed to do offensively. And all right, so I I do want to like let this uh, get added to the conversation before we move on, so that I'm not uh, so this isn't aggregated. Yo, shout out to everyone who aggregates our content. Please do that. We appreciate the extra listens. Um, I don't want to be made to look too much like a fool. Jim Cheney. It was 20 years ago, and most of what we've seen from Jim Cheney has been more of the. Uh, you know, he teams up with Sam Pittman. They get big old offensive linemen pulling guards, run the ball right at you, physical pro style. But Jim Chaney was involved with Joe Tiller at Purdue with a spread up-tempo approach, right? He was the offensive coordinator at Purdue 97 to 2005. He was there for a Drew Brees team. So it is not like he is incapable of, or not understanding of how to open up his offense. It is, again, it was 20 years ago, but it is right there in his uh, resume and repertoire. He, Jim Chaney has coached successful spread offenses, so it is not like this is uh, ignoring the pro style, but I, I'll stick with my Jeremy Pruitt uh, prediction or belief that he heard out all the, he heard out all these other guys, but he just needed to hear a voice that, understood him when it talked about uh bringing a guard around to knock the snot out of one of these skinny ass linebackers that they're recruiting these days yeah and and it's you know now i think we're finding out the um like it's it's hard to be nick saban and it's it's hard on a number of levels you've gotta 
you've got to be able to recruit number one and number two classes every year. You got to deal with NFL defection every year. You got to deal with teams uh, poaching your coaching staff every single year. And Kirby Smart has built a program that is on a uh, sort of on or close to that Alabama tier. And now that's more than just winning the football games. Like there's more challenges to being Nick Saban than just winning the football games. And now he's going to, we're going to see how he handles that because he's got to hire offense coordinator and defensive coordinator. Uh, he's got to deal with a lot of NFL defection this year, transfers. And so um, it's, you know, this is interesting on both fronts. Not only that Tennessee's hiring Jim Chaney, uh, and I think that is a big win, but also now, I mean, Kirby Smart, this is, this is you know, this is next-level stuff here. Where does Georgia go? Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't know. I, and, man, like this stuff, like literally we're sitting here on this podcast and – you know, T. Martin Buzz is generating about Miami, and you know Stephen Godfrey, who's pretty plugged in, uh, is reporting that he's expecting Gaddis to be coaching else. Josh Gaddis, who's Miami's co or Alabama's co-offensive coordinator, to be coaching elsewhere next year. Um, it's you know, does is is that a guy that's in the mix? There is are they going James Coley, who's recruited really well in South Florida? Uh, or I I don't know I don't know I'm not I'm not ready to dig into that yet. But there's there is there's still there, a lot of a movement. Lot, there's a lot of movement. And man, how about all these guys that that signed their letters of intent? And now we got in the early signing period. That you know, if you sign with West Virginia, you co- you're playing for a new coach. If you sign with Kansas or tr- you sign with Troy, you're playing with a new coach. You sign with Miami or Temple, you're playing for a new head coach. You sign with Kansas. Your offensive coordinator just left today to go be the head coach at Troy. Um, it's just the it's crazy, man. And and uh, the the carousel, the the coaching carousel, is is about to be spinning like crazy right now. Uh, and and now the national championship games in the books. And uh, again, I think we talked about this in, in in the recap of the national championship game, but. Man, credit Dabo Sweeney for keeping his staff intact because oh he's the only one right now that's doing that. People people make fun of uh, Dabo for you know some of his uh, campiness, but there might be something to those weekly uh, family dinners. Yeah, I mean, just get you get every single coach with their entire family, every single player, all the support staff sitting down at big tables together, sharing family dinners. Listening to Dabo preach about whatever his meditation of the day is, there might be something to that for creating the the type of place where people not only want to work but want to stay. Absolutely, I mean because what I mean, how many I, I would I'd be fascinated to know how many head coaching jobs Brent Venables has turned down, mm. or at least head coaching interviews where programs wanted him to come talk. And he just said, "You know what? I'm good." Power five stuff. I mean, it has to be a, a bunch, right? And and I I would think that number is starting to tick up a little bit for for Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. Um, so I mean, that's a that's a credit to Dabo, and and even Chad Morris hung around for a while, uh, and 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 deflected interest before finally taking the SMU job. So it's uh, it, it, I think it really is a testament to that program. Uh, as you just mentioned, Chip Lindsey, Kansas's offensive coordinator, introduced as the uh, the head coach at Troy, is our head coaching carousel, I guess, done now. We still got Temple okay. to get done, uh, and it sounds like Rod Carey at Northern Illinois might be the favorite there. Which means all of a sudden the Northern Illinois jobs <laughs> open. Yeah, so we got <laughs> So then we'll have one more to to to, to backfill. I think I think we're in the clear at that point. I had. Um, do you know Richard Johnson from SB Nation? I do not. He had a very funny observation. Uh, Tom Arth, the uh, the new Akron head coach. He was at Former UT Chattanooga. Yeah, he was yeah. at UT Chattanooga. It was like there was an Akron press release um, in the last couple days that basically announced 
like six or seven new hires. And he said, Richard was like, I forgot how he phrased it. He said, man, that guy was working it at the AFCA convention. (laughs) (laughs) Like... The AFCA convention, Tom Arth goes in. He's like, all right, I got to hire an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, linebackers coach. Just crazy, man. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I was, I was in, I was down there at the convention. Um, and, uh, what we, what we, we joked about, um, uh, Brian Van Gorder is the king of buying guys drinks at that thing. (laughs) Given the jobs he's been hired with. Like, it's good to have buddies. It's good to have have buddies. Yeah. What, what what if what if BVG actually just convinces everybody to get into some terrible debaucherous night that he swears never to tell anyone about, and that's his yeah. routine? There's like a 1999 coaches convention night where like they murdered somebody, and, <laughs> and, and BVG just been getting jobs off it ever since. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well we're gonna have a lot more uh, to continue to unpack as we mentioned as this continues to spin, but um, it is uh, it's, it's good to be home. It's good. It's good to continue to be breaking this down. So, uh, Barton, any anything else we want to get out before we get out uh, of here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Brent Key to to Georgia Tech is their offensive line coach. Another really good hire for Jeff Collins and sort of building a recruiting that staff. Patrick Suttis, associate AD at Auburn, hired as his general manager. Another really good recruiting name. So, so Georgia Tech. We talked about it when he got hired. Will recruit well. I mean, but no, uh, no Brent Key, no Josh Gaddis. That Alabama offensive staff is kind of clearing out. Seems that way. Yeah, that's yeah. And, and along with Loxley gone. Like, yeah. That's, I mean, this is this is kind of crazy. Like I'm 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 so fascinated to see what happens when all the dust finally settles. If Nick Saban has to go like totally overhaul his offensive staff again, uh, that's just that can't be good. Especially uh, with this offense, an all-world offense that is all returning. I know, I know. God, I mean, it's wild. And then Mich- or Ohio State hiring a couple Michigan assistants. Uh, Greg Madison is going to be their co-defensive coordinator, along with, and, and then Al Washington also coming from Michigan. It seems like to Ohio State under uh, under Ryan Day, and then Jeff Halfley from the Niners is a co-DC with Madison. So um, again, we'll we'll have to. It's a, it's a lot to lot to digest. So we'll have to once once we get through the the, the head coach press conference rundown, we'll have to really get a, a kind of who did the best job in the assistant coach musical chairs as well. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the Cover Three podcast because that's how you get them first. Barton, thank you very much. Deserve.